0: A few minutes ago, Brother Jackson asked me if there was a particular song that I would like to have him lead related to the sermon tonight, and I had been thinking about one, and and then I reconsidered, saying, "Well, I'm going to speak about that song a little bit in my sermon, so it wouldn't be necessary to sing it." And so I said, that, "That's okay. That, that's all right." And so he got up and went about his business, and then I started thinking, you know, there is one song <laughs> that. Uh, I might have asked him to leave, but I couldn't remember what the title of it was. But it has these words. If I have wounded any soul today, and if you're paying attention, you realize that he got up and led that song just you know, without my prompting or anything. If I have wounded any soul today, if I have caused one foot to go astray, if I have walked in my own willful way, dear Lord, forgive. The title of my message this evening is Salt and Light. You can probably tell by the title of that lesson that this isn't going to be complicated. Nonetheless, I will ask you to think attentively this evening and to remember your Old Testament history. Today, as always, we're going to have scripture, but for the most part, the scriptures are going to be used to fortify our common sense. And we need both scripture and common sense as we try to deal effectively with an increasingly tumultuous world around us. A couple of years ago, one of our nephews was telling me how happy he was that that I and my wife lived in one of the safest parts of the country. He was telling me how happy he was that we lived at least a reasonable distance from a large city. He and his wife live in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, and in Pittsburgh they have their share of uh, of crimes and many of them involve violence. I appreciated that at the time. But then I think about some of the events that have occurred really in our neck of the woods just very, very recently. Extreme violence, to say the least. And you've been watching the news. You know what I'm speaking of. I appreciated it. I hope that we are still safe. But decisions that are made far away still reach us here. And across the country, the population just is not of the same character that it used to be. So it's just as important as it has ever been for Christians to be aware, to be proactive. And I believe that we can be aware without being fearful. As the world sinks to new lows, New Testament Christians need to consciously walk on a higher plane. Just as every person on earth has a unique DNA, every person on earth, for better or worse, sends out a unique message. We send out messages by the way that we dress, by our physical posture, by the way that we spend our time and where, how we work, how we learn, and surely by the way that we communicate. As the world sinks to greater immorality and a penchant for violence that we cannot really ignore or or pretend isn't happening, we need to do more than just be different. We need to transmit differently. By the way, I want to tell you in all likelihood, I'm going to get passionate about this message tonight. So I better tell you right now that I'm not the least bit mad at you. I'm not here to make you feel bad. I'm here to enlighten you perhaps, remind you in all likelihood, and strengthen you, fortify you for the challenges that we face. I'm concerned about the messages that people are constantly sending to one another today. There is a growing depravity of spirit and there is a denial of that which is divine within us and all around us. Satan must be pleased with how much so many people hate each other these days. And I find that very sad indeed. But when the world finally looks up from the gutter, and I pray that the time comes when that will happen. When the world looks up from the gutter, they need to see us and others like us right where we have always been sending exactly the same messages that we have always sent. When the world or even our our small portion of it comes to see that it cannot change without repentance, that it cannot change without godliness, it needs to find us imitating our Heavenly Father and His Son. I know that that isn't a profound observation, and it's only common sense but it's an important reminder. Today I'm not talking about road rage, although road rage is a terrible thing. I'm not talking about people exchanging gunshots on the freeway or showing up at a medical building you understand with rifles and handguns. I'm not talking about drive-by murders or shootouts at funerals or graduation parties or in church buildings. Those are the events that make the newspapers. Those are also the events that 99% of the population of the country or any country outside of the Middle East would condemn. I'm not even talking about what we might do in our unguarded moments of frustration or anger. That too would be sin and, and I make no bones about it, but that isn't where I'm coming from today. I'm talking about the small premeditated communications that our neighbors go out and buy. The t-shirts, the bumper stickers, the decals, those littered with profane words and illustrated actions for all the world to see. And we should never underestimate the power of those images. The derogatory message that sent that that warps the hearts and the minds of uh, uh, of people who are less thoughtful than they ought to be. Americans purchase things for their automobiles or to hang on their bodies, and then go down the road as servants of evil rather than as servants of God. And when someone wants to walk on both sides of the word of the of the of the world, I should say the Lord is not fooled. Neither is the church. Our persons and our properties should never be billboards for depravity. No part of our message should ever be vile, not even for a little while. Am I certain that this is a biblical message? I am. In 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 33, we have the Apostle Paul saying this, Do not be deceived, Evil communications corrupt bad manners. Awake to righteousness and sin not, for some have not the knowledge of God. I speak this, he wrote, to your shame. Now did you hear the apostles' concern for the lost there? I'll run through that again. Awake to righteousness and sin not, for some have not the knowledge of God. Now some might wonder, now I don't know Ron, whenever you read that text, it didn't sound quite as familiar as usual. I thought it was about evil companionships. Well the Greek word, 3657, is accurate, translated either way. Our communications, like our friends, define us. Half a dozen examples come quickly to mind. Let me just give you a couple. There's a bumper sticker out there. Perhaps you've seen a benign, harmless bumper sticker, something uh, uh, that uh, elevates or encourages a young child. Uh, uh, My son is an honor, honor student at such and such school. Well, there's another bumper sticker. It says, my kid can whip your honor students and then, the, and then the word is boldly printed there, you understand, for the whole world to see. Is that clever? Sure, that's the reason somebody went out and bought the thing. But it is also crass. And it reveals the heart. The message on that bumper sticker is, oh, you have an honor student? Well, I hate you, and I'm training my kid to hate you, too. And in some circumstances, we could hate you violently. Isn't it a sad thing to see people created in the spiritual image of God so filled with animosity that they feel compelled to buy those things and advertise those things. So filled with envy and resentment that they will go to the trouble and the expense to wave something like that in everyone's face. I'm sure you know of other examples. I'll give you one more. This one I think is is starting to fade. I haven't seen it as much lately. But it will be replaced by others. On the decal, there is an an impish looking boy with an evil grin as he's urinating on the emblem of some competing automobile manufacturer. If you are a Christian and you are not offended by that, let me ask you as your friend and brother, will you please start being more suspicious of you? We don't want to become so hardened to that kind of thing that it just doesn't affect us at all. Someone might say, well, you know, don't take it so seriously. I mean, that's the point. It's supposed to be offensive. Oh. So it is supposed to say, I have a disease of yellow dirt down in the depths of my soul. It's supposed to say, I'm given to evil. I'm given to vandalism. And this is what I think of everybody who drives This kind of car. If it is supposed to be offensive, that decal communicates all of that. You know, I'm no mechanic. If you know me very long, you know around my house if it gets fixed, Mary fixed it. She's the engineer in the family. I'm no mechanic. I need to drive something reliable. I don't know much about automobile engineering. All I know is what's been good for me. But I'm also very, very happy indeed about whatever has been good for you. If you like what you drive, I'm happy about that. But even if you hate what you drive, God will hold me accountable for vile insults and profane communication. Now I know that there's some good natured teasing that goes on between friends about about Fords and Chevys. You know, that can be something innocent, but we should never let it cross the line. Don't disrespect anyone through foolishness, and don't invite them to envy you or despise you. You know, there's only been one time in my entire life whenever I was ashamed of driving a Ford. And some of you Chevy guys may say, oh, I can give you some some other examples. You know, there can be good nature teasing. But there was one time whenever I was ashamed that I was driving a Ford pickup. I was on my way to Tulsa one day, and I started to pass this vehicle. It was a 1960 uh, F-100 pickup, and it it had been beautifully restored. And you know, I wanted, to, I wanted to pass that guy and I wanted to, to wave on the, on the way by and I wanted to smile and give him the, the big thumbs up, you know. In other words, to communicate, hey, I know what went into that restoration. Way to go, partner. That is so wonderful. I wanted to communicate all of that, but I didn't. Because there was that decal. The decal of that degenerate boy, and I didn't want anyone to think that I was that degenerate boy. I didn't want them to think that I was like the guy who put a decal like that on the back of his window to hang it out there in its vile uh, uh, filth to the entire world, demonstrating his own depravity. I even felt a little guilty while driving alongside of him. I didn't want anybody to think that this Ford pickup guy thought in the same way. So so loved ones, what do we do? Do we do nothing? Do we ignore them? Or do we go out and buy our own decals? I began by saying that we need to rise above the world and to walk on a higher plane. How do we do that? And how would that look? Well, you probably know. Remember what the Apostle Paul called Christians to in Ephesians, the fifth chapter. He called us to be imitators of God in verse one. In verse two, he calls us to walk in love as Jesus Christ walked in love. I want to read Ephesians chapter 5 verses 3 through 5 to us. But do not let immorality or any impurity or greed even be named among you as is proper among the saints. And there must be no filthiness and silly talk or coarse jesting, which are not fitting, but rather the giving of thanks. For this you know with certainty that no immoral or impure person or covetous man who is an idolater has an inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and God. Having read these words, With the Apostles' commentary about impurity and coarse jesting, aren't we reminded that we ought to walk the moral high ground? In verse 8, we were darkness, but now we are light, and the unfruitful deeds of darkness are what we must expose. In the context, we can conclude that the church at Ephesus had her own inward problems, but the principle has a much broader application than we sometimes use. We need to expose evil. And that's what I want to do today. Now I can almost imagine you thinking, and I wouldn't blame you, to think that the examples that I've given are inconsequential, especially in view of the, of the monumental tragedies that are occurring around the world. You might be thinking, Ron, really? You you came over tonight to talk to us about bumper stickers, T-shirts, decals, really? Well, all right, I, I can kind of see your point. But right now in America, millions of people are wondering how it is that we have come to the bitterness and the violence, the ugliness, the prejudice that is breaking out all across our land. But mostly, what we do as a nation is we wonder and wring our hands and invent legislation that never really touches the real disease, and that is the disease of sin, that is the disease of ungodliness. And just like the church at Ephesus had the responsibility of rectifying her problems, we have responsibilities also. The reason we have so many large problems in America is because we have chosen to ignore what seems like small stuff for so long. We have said, well, that doesn't really affect me for so long that now it affects everybody. According to Jesus in Matthew chapter 5 verses 13 through 16 and don't we love it when Jesus speaks we are to be salt and light I could go on and on about how much I appreciate salt I'm on a very low sodium diet and believe me it's saving my life and it's killing me at the same time 1,000 milligrams of sodium per day. You try that sometime. <laughs> you know. But having mentioned that, I'll say I also appreciate light. Light illuminates. If light doesn't illuminate, it isn't light at all. If salt has no savor, no saltiness, it has no usefulness. And according to Jesus, it's cast out. Do we want to be useful in the kingdom? Do we want to be useful in the world? Or do we want to be cast out? Here's the crux of Jesus' lesson. If we don't expose evil, large or seemingly small, we have no ministry. We are of no use to our Father. I know that we are sometimes afraid. But Jesus in Matthew chapter 5, verse 10 preached, yes, he preached, blessed are you when men persecute you for righteousness' sake. Here's the second point that I want to make. First point, in case you missed it going by, is be an imitator of God. Second point, fulfill your ministry. We all have ministries and the people in our world should be aware of them. Whether they are individually blessed by them or not, that of course is up to them. But they certainly ought to be aware. They ought to be aware of the fact that we value their soul. Amen they ought to be aware of the fact that they matter to us. Do you remember that song, You Never Mentioned Him to Me? You saw me day by day and knew I was astray, but you never mentioned Him to me. So I want to say secondly today, fill, fulfill your ministry like John the baptizer did. He didn't say, come on in, you understand, to those who came out of Jerusalem to be baptized, wanting to be able to say, been there, done that. He wasn't all that special. John said, who warned you to flee from the wrath to come, you brood of vipers? You understand, there are different situations. There are different contexts. There are different problems. There are are, are different relationships that we have with people and we should consider all of those. But we have no ministry if we do not confront that which is base and immoral in our society. We need to fulfill our ministries like Jesus did, like the apostle Paul did. Does this mean that we need to cast our pearls before swine? Does this mean that we ought not to be mindful of the fact that someone might turn and rend us to pieces? There were times, you understand, whenever Jesus himself remained silent, but we're silent too often, loved ones, I believe. And I'm preaching at me just as much as I'm preaching at you. We need to fulfill our ministries. Aren't you glad I told you to start out with that? I'm not mad at you. I just knew what I was going to say tonight. There are those that we can influence with God's help, and some of them have recently crossed the line into this filthiness, and some are only about to. There are some who still have a measure of innocence. There are some who have a measure of tender heartedness. Prayerfully make those people your ministry. And remember that faith sometimes springs even from the most unlikely places. I'm thinking about how rough that old centurion must have been, you understand, there at Golgotha. No telling how many people he'd seen crucified, supervising all the way. And yet, here's a man who said, of a truth, this was the Son of God. Express your concern with sorrow, less anger, certainly. Express love heavily, indignation lightly. Perhaps an offender just hasn't ever really thought. Is there anybody here who hasn't ever said something or done something realizing later on how foolish it was to do or say because you just hadn't really thought? Perhaps an offender just hasn't really thought and someone like you needs to invite him or invite her to do so. Even if the initial reaction is, mind your own business, and guess what? It it might be. Mind your own business. The message stays. And that person might ultimately reconsider the counsel of someone who loves him or loves her. In case that seems unlikely, Jesus spoke of such a phenomenon in Matthew chapter 21 and verse 30. In his parable, Jesus described a son who had rejected the direction given to him by his father. The direction was, son, go to the vineyard and work. And you'll remember the son's reaction, I will not. But later he regretted what he had said and he went to where his father sent him. What is the Lord telling us here, among other things? Someone who rejects your offer to scrape that bad message off of his rearview window. Someone who rejects your offer to scrape some bad message from his life today might just decide that he's going to scrape it off himself when he comes to his senses. It might not be today or tomorrow, but praise God in heaven, it could still come to pass. Brother Smith, a lot of the preaching that we've done in our lives, we do for the good that it might do. Most of the preaching that we do is for the good of people that we know it will help. And we know that it will be received. But much of it, you understand, is offered to the lost. It is always better to try than to to conclude that we have no ministry. We save lives and souls. I want you to think about this. It used to be that, that nearly all of the gang violence that happened in Tulsa was confined to one area of the city. That was really quite a long time ago now. It was a problem then. It was a tragedy then. And it remains a tragedy today. Of course, the shootings and the killings, those were the things that were reported on the news. We're against shootings and killings, aren't we? We would stop them if we could, wouldn't we? Don't we hate to hear about those little kids? sitting on their couch or laying in their bed at home when all of a sudden a hail of bullets comes from a car as it speeds by and that little child is killed. Don't we hate hearing that? And we'd stop that if we could, wouldn't we? Don't we hate to see the film at 10 o'clock at night when those big burly guys with tears streaming down their faces are carrying that tiny little casket toward that hole in the ground? What we don't usually see is mama and daddy sitting on those metal chairs under that green awning going berserk with grief. Wouldn't we stop that if we could? We can help, and often more than we know, Encourage everyone who will listen to scrape anything that that glorifies ungodliness off of his or her life. Let your speech be seasoned with salt. If we have something positive to say, certainly we ought to say that. Satan feeds off of pride. He feeds off of carnal lust. He feeds off of greed, off of racial prejudices in every race and culture. And he begins feeding with small bites. The things that people ought to protest but tend to ignore out of ignorance or fear. I read a Bit on the news this afternoon. A child had been beaten by a bunch of fellow ninth graders. The kid was punched and kicked and stomped on. He'd been hospitalized in a neck brace and was trying to recover from those injuries. Police were investigating what the cause was. Evidently, the cause was that uh, the ninth graders decided to beat up the one kid in the school who stood up for the kids who were always being bullied. Jesus taught about 11 in Matthew 16, verse 6. Beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and the Sadducees, he said. You know, the disciples on that occasion, they were slow to to understand that passage or that message, I should say. But they finally realized that the Lord was speaking about how the teachings of those groups, the, the Pharisees and the Sadducees, had grown to the point that they had spoiled all of Judea. In Galatians chapter 5, verse 9, Paul compares the false teachings of the Judaizers to leaven. He taught that just a little bit of leaven will leaven an entire lump of dough. Listen, violence grows in exactly the same way. From just a little bit of leaven as does every form of sin. Gang members from several different groups aren't confined to a few square miles in any city anymore there's hate all over so why should they be confined when the citizens of that city and every other city hang their own signs everywhere what signs every little compromise that people make is bigger than they realize The problem with compromise is it's hard to stop. Growing up in Tulsa, I didn't know what a homosexual was until, you might laugh at this, until I was 12 or 13 years old. I didn't know what what, what one was. And I only wondered then because I'd seen the word in the Bible, Well, now it seems to be in our faces all the time. lot in the Old Testament was repulsed. The Lord's apostles and the Holy Spirit are clear in the New Testament. So where has the explosion come from? It has come from society's earlier compromises. The acceptance of the seemingly small and insignificant things. It has come from society's earlier compromises, not compromises with homosexuality. Oh, no, 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 not at first. But compromises with fornication, with adultery, and a general acceptance of people living together in a sexual relationship. There are many forms of immorality Just as there are all types of gangs from every color and every ethnicity and so much sin that it becomes easier and easier for an increasing number of people to run completely off the rails and start pulling the trigger. So we shouldn't wonder what is happening in our world. Nor should we be wringing our hands. We need to ask God to continually, Lord, please lift us up to higher ground. And from that higher ground, we need to fulfill a Christian's purpose and work. We sing that song about a higher plane, don't we? It's about pressing on that upward way, gaining new heights, planting our feet on higher ground. To me, that has always seemed like a soldier's song. Planting our feet on on higher ground, scaling the heights while the darts of Satan are being hurled at us. But it is also a prayer. Lord, lift me up. Help me to be better. Take me out of the gutter and away from the path that leads to perdition. Help me to raise my flag and live above the world. I can do that without a self-righteous spirit. Loved ones, we are light and salt. We need to be candles. Let the world see the light of your faith. Let people hear God's love from your mouth. Guide others to and along the paths of righteousness and pray that they will come to glorify God also. Not so that you can boast and say that you've made another convert. No, not at all. But to their great fulfillment and joy. Pray that God will give you the courage. Give us the courage. And not a spirit of fear or of timidity. Because our Savior expects us to make a difference in the world. The lesson is yours today. And I thank you sincerely for your very kind attention. I do not know if there's someone struggling with their faith tonight. I don't know if there's someone who's disappointed himself or herself, or the Lord. I don't know if there's some particular need that you need for us to pray about. I don't know if there is someone in need of obeying the Lord's gospel tonight, but I want to tell you, even though the preacher got a tiny bit long-winded tonight, we will be happy to pray with you and assist you and be very, very thankful for the opportunity. If you need to respond to the Lord's invitation, that is your chance tonight, and we pray that you would.